We're starting a brand new series today. Uh, it's going to carry us through the summer months. It's called Kingdom Stories. And we're going to be looking at various stories and parables that Jesus told, all focused on the kingdom of God. And uh, it's my privilege this morning to get to kick off the series. And uh, as I've been thinking about this series and praying about our time together over the summer months, uh, focused on these stories and these parables, um, one of the phrases that keeps coming back to my mind is actually a phrase that's really captured my imagination in prayer uh, probably for about the last decade of my life. As I've been really trying to pray the Lord's Prayer in my own life and pray it over our church and the Wesleyan denomination as a whole, over God's church, wherever it is across the world. Um, when you pray the Lord's Prayer, you come to this phrase pretty early on that God's kingdom would come on earth just like it is in heaven. And when you stop and really think about that particular prayer request, you realize this is something huge and significant that we are praying if we truly pray for that to happen. And it's what God taught us to pray. Jesus himself taught his disciples to pray this way, that the kingdom of God would come right here on earth just like it is in heaven. And this simple phrase in the Lord's prayer is really a prayer for the entire world to be transformed. For the world to stop looking like it looks right now, ravaged by sin and brokenness, driven by greed and self-centeredness of humanity, but instead to start looking like the world that God originally intended when he created it all in the beginning. This is the prayer that Jesus wants us to pray. This is the heart of God, the desire of God for our world, that, that this earth, this place where we live, this community that we live in, that it would actually look just like things look in heaven right now. It's a big prayer request. And it raises the question, how does the kingdom of God come on earth? We can pray this prayer, but, but it begs the question, how does God go about making this a reality? And we could spend all summer long just talking about that. But the simple answer, the, the, the kind of foundational truth of how the kingdom of God comes on this earth, it really boils down to this, that God works in the lives of human beings and he transforms them from the inside out so that their lives line up with the values of the kingdom of God. And when human beings' lives line up with the values of the kingdom of God to the point that they begin to live out the reality of the kingdom, the kingdom of God comes here, just like it is in heaven. To say it another way or to drive the point home, we have to actually become different kinds of people if we are the people of God so that we live out the reality of the kingdom moment by moment and day by day. This is how God's prayer is answered. That in our homes, our neighborhoods, our communities, our workplaces, our nation, it will only reflect the kingdom of God as people's lives line up with the values of the kingdom and begin to live accordingly. This underscores the importance of us remembering and understanding again that Christianity is not just something we learn about. It has to be something we live. Right? This temptation is 
one that we face in an information age, and it's even more acute in an academic community like this one, where we think the goal is to learn a bunch of stuff. Get the ideas, get them into our brain, understand the information, master the content, be able to articulate it back. That's the goal. Except that's not the goal of Christianity. Christianity has never been and it never will be about how much you know in your brain. It's about how you live your life. Christianity is not a series of deep thoughts that we have about God. It is a lifestyle. It's taking the things that God has planted in our lives, truths and insights about the kingdom, and allowing them to take root in our lives to the point that we actually change the way we live. And we actually begin to live in ways that reflect the values of the kingdom. It's critically important for us to understand this because Jesus did not come and give to his church the Great Commission, which reads this way, go and teach people all that I've taught. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said, go and teach people to obey what I have taught. See, Christianity has to be lived out. The kingdom of God has to be lived out moment by moment and day by day. And as we live out the reality of the kingdom of God, the kingdom comes here just like it is in heaven. So all summer long, we're going to be focused on these stories about the kingdom for the sole purpose, not of learning a set of facts about the kingdom of God that we can file away in our brains. The point of this series is that we would learn insights and truths about the kingdom that we can put into practice and that throughout this summer we would find ourselves putting into practice these realities about the kingdom of God so that the kingdom can come more and more in our lives, in our homes, in our neighborhood, in this community, just like it is in heaven. So we begin this morning in Matthew chapter 13, the story that was so masterfully told by those children in the video. That was my favorite scripture reading I think we've ever done here at College Wesleyan Church, watching those kids act out the story. Matthew chapter 13, the story that we're looking at this morning, the parable of the sower, most Bibles read, but it's really not about the sower at all, and it's not even about the seed. The story is about the soil. The parable of the four soils, and that's what we're going to look at today. It is the introductory parable to this series because most of the parables that we're going to be looking at throughout the summer come right out of the Gospel of Matthew. And Jesus told this particular story as an introduction to a series of stories and parables about the kingdom. It's uh, clearly an introductory story because it's the only story where Jesus tells the story has an exchange with his disciples in the passage about why he tells stories, and then Jesus explains the story he just told. So in a lot of ways, my job in kicking off the series is really easy because we're just going to look at what Jesus said the story means. Every other preacher in this series, they have to figure out what Jesus meant. My sermon just says this is what Jesus tells us it means because he actually explains it right in the passage. 
Now, what we know about this story as kind of a way of introduction is that Jesus tells us the seed that the sower is scattering is the message about the kingdom of God. We see this later in Matthew chapter 13 when Jesus starts to explain the parable. He tells us that the seed is the message about the kingdom of God. And he says that the seed the mess that the sower is scattering is finding its way onto four different kinds of soils. Jesus says some of the seed falls on the path. Now the path has been trampled by the feet of, of people as they've walked here and there and back and forth. And so the path is hard, it's firm, it's almost like concrete. The seed doesn't penetrate into the soil at all. It just sits on top and the birds come and they turn that seed into food. They eat it. Jesus says this kind of soil represents the person who is not open or receptive at all to the message about the kingdom of God. They can hear messages about the kingdom. They, people can talk to them about the kingdom, but that seed doesn't go down into their heart and soul. It just sits on the surface. And the evil one, Jesus said, comes and snatches the seed away. And that person's life doesn't change at all. Jesus goes on to say some seed falls on the rocky or the shallow ground. And at first glance, this looks like the right kind of soil because when the seed lands there, it sprouts up pretty quickly but it doesn't really develop a good root system. So as soon as the conditions change, the sun comes out, the conditions become more challenging and more difficult, that plant withers. Jesus says this kind of soil represents the person who quickly and enthusiastically receives the message about the kingdom, but as soon as life gets hard, they bolt. They run the other way, and the message of the kingdom in their life is snuffed out, and their life doesn't change at all. Jesus says some seed falls on the thorny or the weed, weedy ground. And what happens there, the seed goes down into the soil and it's better than any of the two soils that precede it because the seed actually puts down roots and it begins to grow. But eventually what happens, the thorns and the weeds, they actually choke the life out of the plant. In most cases, the plant dies. In some cases, the plant might live, but it can't produce fruit because it's spending all of its energy fighting for life. Jesus says this kind of soil is like a person who receives the message, but they don't make the kingdom their number one priority. Other things in their life fight for top priority. And what ends up happening is eventually the message of the kingdom begins to be choked out in that person's life. Jesus actually says it this way, the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke out that plant and it becomes unfruitful. In our lives, we can allow other things to be as important or more important than the kingdom of God and when we allow that to happen, the message of the kingdom dies inside of us and our lives don't change. But Jesus said there's some seed that falls on good or fertile soil. And when the seed lands there, it goes down into the soil, it puts down roots, it sprouts and it grows, and eventually it produces fruit. 30, 60, or 100 times what was sown. Jesus says this is good soil. It's good soil because the seed planted there grows and it produces fruit. 
This person, Jesus says, is the person who receives and understands the message. But it's not just an intellectual understanding. It's the person who goes beyond the others who have received the message. They take the message and they put it into practice. They allow it to take root in their life all the way down to the core of their being. And when the hard times come, it doesn't matter because they're going to stay set on the kingdom of God. They evaluate their life and when they see the other things that are crying for their attention, the worries of life and the pursuit of wealth, and they they push those things aside and they make the kingdom top priority in their life. They actually look at the kingdom and the message about the kingdom as most important and they organize their life around it and they live accordingly. Four kinds of soil. Jesus tells this story because he wants to remind us that we have a choice about what kind of soil we're going to be. And there are a few lessons that we should point out that flow right out of this story that Jesus told. The first lesson that I think is really important for us to understand is that in the kingdom, fruitfulness matters. Jesus doesn't just tell this story because he wants to say, some of you will get it and some of you won't. Sorry about your luck if you're one of the people who don't get it. Jesus is telling this story because he wants everyone to get it. This is why at the end of his story, he says, whoever has ears to hear, you should listen and understand. You should become good soil because at the end of the day, being fruitful in the kingdom of God, it matters. And if you doubt this, just remember what Jesus said in the gospel of John. You did not choose me. I chose you and I appointed you for what? To go and bear fruit. Fruit that remains. And if you do that, you will bring glory to my Father. Jesus in John also says, abide in me and let me abide in you. Because if that occurs, you will bear much fruit. See, in the kingdom, fruitfulness matters. God wants people who are fruitful for the kingdom of God because remember, God's great vision is that the kingdom of God would come here and that happens when his people produce the fruit of the kingdom in their lives. Fruitfulness matters. And what we know from this parable is that the levels of fruitfulness that we will experience across the people of God are all different. Some, sometimes seed will be planted in a person's life and it'll bring a harvest of 30, sometimes 60, sometimes 100. We all will have different levels of fruitfulness in the kingdom of God. The question is not, am I bearing more fruit than my neighbor? It's not a competition. The question is, am I allowing the message of God's kingdom to be planted in my life and put down roots and grow and produce fruit for the kingdom of God? That's the question. Fruitfulness in the kingdom of God matters. And what kind of fruit are we talking about anyway? I think there are at least two kinds of fruit that God wants to produce in and through our lives. They are the fruit of character and the fruit of disciple-making. 
Jesus, when he comes, he announces the inbreaking of the kingdom of God to this earth. He says the kingdom of God is at hand. It has come near. In other words, the kingdom of God is now accessible. You can enter into its reality. And right after Jesus makes this proclamation, he turns and he begins to invite people into a life of discipleship. And when he calls them, he says, come follow me and I will teach you how to fish for people. When Jesus calls them this way, he's calling them to produce the fruit of character and the fruit of disciple making. When Jesus says, come follow me, he means come walk with me, come learn from me and actually become like me. That's what the journey of discipleship is all about. Following Christ and becoming more and more like him the further we go. So the longer we walk with Christ, the more we should look like him. The more that our character and our behavior and our words and our relationship should actually reflect the person and the character and the nature of Jesus Christ. Because walking with Christ ought to produce the fruit of Christ-like character in our lives. Come follow me, Jesus said. But he also said, come follow me and I will teach you how to fish for people. See, walking with Christ is not just about becoming like him. It is about inviting others to become like him as well. And we can never miss this in the church. Because Jesus came to initiate a kingdom movement and he built into the people of God this movement concept that we who are following Christ to become like him are also inviting more to follow Christ and become like him who are also inviting more to follow Christ and become like him so that the movement of the kingdom of God stretches from where we are to the nations. This is the heart of God. That the kingdom of God would come in every place and among every people group that exists anywhere on this planet. This is what God is up to. This is basic Christianity that we would follow Christ and fish for people. And we oftentimes forget that. We think our spiritual journey is just about us and it's just for us and we miss the whole point. And it is for us, but it's also for the whole world. And it's our job to follow Christ and fish for people. And if we do that over the course of our lives, God will produce the fruit of character in us and he will produce the fruit of disciple making through us. And when those things are happening, God gets all the glory. And here's what I want you to know. In the kingdom, this kind of fruitfulness matters. It matters. When God looks at your life and he looks at your spiritual journey, these are the things he wants to do in you and through you. If we'll let the message of the kingdom be planted deeply inside of us, that's the kind of fruit God wants to produce in and through our lives. A second lesson we learn from this parable, good soil produces good fruit. We've already said this, but it's worth saying again because it is the main point of the parable that Jesus told. 
The seed is the message of the kingdom of God, and it's good seed. It contains everything it needs to produce a harvest. But in this story, everywhere the seed goes, it doesn't produce fruit. It only produces fruit in one kind of soil, good soil. And so we have to recognize this and acknowledge this, that the variable that determines whether or not the seed of the message of God's kingdom produces fruit is are we good soil for that seed to be planted into? Because we can be like the path, completely closed off, not open or receptive at all, and the evil one will just snatch the seed away and our lives won't change. We can also be like the shallow ground. We can quickly receive the message and it'll sprout up and it'll look like it's growing. But as soon as the hard times come, we'll bolt and go another direction. The kingdom will be snuffed out. Or if we don't make the kingdom our top priority, the other demands in our lives, they'll choke the kingdom out and we won't be fruitful. Or we can be good soil. Good soil produces Good fruit, which leads me to the third lesson from this parable. If you want to be fruitful in the kingdom, become good soil. There are lots of ways in life to be unfruitful. But there's only one way to become fruitful for the kingdom. You have to become good soil. You have to actually allow the message of the kingdom to be planted deep in your heart and soul. You have to let it put roots in your life. You have to let it sprout and grow so that it becomes the core of who you are and you have to let the kingdom work its way out into your words and your deeds and your relationships and the work that you do so that everywhere you go and everywhere you are, you are reflecting the kingdom of God. So what do we do with this parable? How do we put it into practice? Let me give you, as we close, four applications and one challenge. As we think about how do we become good soil, number one, you have to till the soil. You have to let your heart and soul become prepared to receive the message of the kingdom. My grandfather, who's passed away now, always kept a garden in his backyard. And in the spring, he would always get his rototiller out and he'd go out there in that backyard and he would till the soil. He'd get rid of all the weeds. He'd get rid of all the growth that, it, that had occurred there. And he'd make sure the soil was soft and rich and ready to receive the seed. He knew that he had gone out and he had spent his money on the best seed that his money could buy. But that wouldn't make any difference if the soil wasn't ready to receive it. In our own lives, it's no different. You and I have to spend time in the presence of God, worshiping him, Seeking him in prayer, entering in to the divine conversation of the triune God, communing with God in his presence. And as that happens, our heart and our soul become soft and pliable and ready to receive the message of the kingdom of God. Jesus talks about this in John, abide in me and let me abide in you and you'll bear fruit. You gotta till the soil. You gotta let your heart and your soul be prepared. Secondly, you've gotta receive the seed. You've gotta hear and reflect on the word of God, on the message of Christ. You have to actually take the word into your life and you can do this in your personal devotions as you open the scriptures and ask God to speak to you. 
You can do this when you meet with your spiritual formation group and have conversations about the scriptures. You can do this when you gather in a setting like this to hear preaching and teaching. There are lots of different ways that you can do this, but the point is, if we are serious about being fruitful for the kingdom of God, we have to actually take the word of God into our lives. And we have to hear it, we have to reflect on it, we have to let it take root in us. This is why Paul says in Colossians, let the word of Christ dwell among you richly. This is why the psalmist says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against God. We have to take the word of God into our lives. Third, let the seed grow. And here's what I mean by this. You have to put the things you're learning into practice. Christianity is a lifestyle. It is about obedience. Right? And so many of us, we have, we have gotten this wrong. We thought Christianity was about all the stuff we could learn. And we've learned and learned and learned. But here's what I want you to know. The person who's just starting the journey, who's obeying the little bit they know, they are far more on the track to maturity than the person who's learned a lot but only obeys a little bit. Christianity is about actually doing what Jesus tells us to do. We have to put the word of God into practice. Right? This is why Jesus says, any of you who hears my words and you put them into practice, you're like a wise builder. You're building your house on a solid foundation. But any of you who hears my words and don't put them into practice, you're like a foolish builder who built your house on the sand. When the storms come, the wise builder's home, it will last. The foolish builder's home, it'll be washed away. And James talks about this when he says, don't be hearers of the word only. If you do that, you're just deceiving yourself. You're, you're tricking yourself into thinking you're more spiritual than you are. No, don't be a hearer of the word. Be a doer of the word. That's what true religion is. When you actually do what God is telling you to do. So you've got to put the word into practice. A couple of questions are helping me with this. Asking myself at the end of every Bible study time or conversation with my small group or hearing a sermon, asking myself the simple question, is there a promise for me to claim or a command for me to follow? Sometimes I think we make scripture more complicated than it needs to be. It is the word of God to us. And if we would just ask, is there a promise in this particular passage that I need to stand on or is there a command that I simply need to obey? And then go do that. Another question that's helping me is, what do I need to do with what I've just heard? We need to develop in our lives a bias for action. God, what do you want me to do with what you've just told me? We've got to put it into practice because that's how the seed grows in our lives. And then fourthly, you've got to reproduce the seed. You've got to share what you're discovering and what you're learning and how you're growing with others. Again, basic Christianity. You're on the journey and you're helping others take the journey with you. 
So you've got to think to yourself as you're learning things, as you're discovering things, as God is shaping your life to reflect the kingdom, who do you need to be sharing with? And what do you need to be sharing with them? Learn to tell your story about how God is at work in your life. And as you tell your story, you'll have an opportunity to point to the story of God over and over and over again. And as you do that, you will have an opportunity to invite people to take the journey with you. And as you reproduce the seed, as you share the story with others, God will produce the fruit of disciple making through your life. And there's There's just nothing that's more exciting than that. When you get to walk with someone as they begin the journey of discipleship and they begin walking that path, there is nothing that's more exciting or life-giving than that. You gotta reproduce the seed.